Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. The seals are the first of a series of three parallel sets of visions, the other two being the trumpets and the bowls. All three depict judgments of God during the church age. These judgments have a dual purpose, to refine believers by testing their faith and to harden the hearts of unbelievers who refuse to repent in spite of the evidence of God's disapproval of their sin. The letters to the churches, chapters two and three, we covered it weeks ago, have shown that the process of judgment has already begun. Judgment begins at the house of God. And believers are already being exhorted to remain faithful in the face of persecution and temptation to compromise their faith. The basis of this exhortation is the assurance that God is sovereign over all, over all that is happening that John shows us in this book. The fact that Christ has taken his seat, we saw that in the fifth chapter of of Revelation when the, the lamb, John wept because no one was found worthy to take the scroll, so then he hears a voice of a, a loud voice of an angel that says, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, Judah has been made worthy. So John turns to see the lion and instead of a lion, he sees a lamb as if it had been slain and the lamb was worthy. The lamb yeah. that was slain is the Christ, yeah. the crucified Christ. And he took his position of authority and began the basis of this exhortation is the assurance that God is sovereign. The fact that Christ has taken his seat in heavenly authority has precipitated the opening of the seven seals. Again, I would encourage you to go and read this for yourself. It's not the most fun to read, but if you will allow yourself to see Jesus is there in every chapter. Uh, The seal judgments, as well as the others, commenced in the first century, and they continue today until Christ returns. This demonstrates that God is ruling over all the events of history. This, in turn, is intended to bring comfort to suffering believers throughout the world during the church age. The church age began... When Jesus was crucified, was buried and resurrected and ascended, and then 10 days after the ascension, the church was born in an upper room in the day of Pentecost, and this began, the church age began, and it continues today. And so when John started writing in the first chapter, it says, write the things that must shortly come to pass. So some of these things began to unfold before 70 AD when Jerusalem was destroyed. Part of this prophetic word was to the people of, of the church because he, they were getting, making preparation for what was to come. So let's, let's kind of dive 
So I just want to highlight one more time before we start reading this that the the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls are they're they're not three separate visions, okay? But they're like concentric circles that kind of go deeper into the same into the same vision. So it's it's the same vision being told right in three different yes. ways or layers, yes. okay? There's seven seals. Seven trumpets, seven bowls, much like the four Gospels were written from different perspectives by different men. But John is seeing three different, and he's having three different encounters and experiencing this, but the message is the same. The pattern is the same. Just like, I'll say it like this, when uh, Pharaoh dreamed two dreams, two separate different dreams, and Joseph came into him and said, the two dreams are one and the same. This is... Essentially, the kind of the same thing that's going on. We believe yeah. there there are other people in uh, that will say there are twenty one judgments are going to come unfold one after the other and lead right up to the second coming of Jesus. We don't believe many theologians, many theologians support what we're telling you today that this has been a cycle of the judgment of God from the beginning of the church age and continues through today. You good, you good with that? Okay. Okay, so we're going to start reading. Chapter yes, six. chapter 6. So we're going to start reading in Revelation chapter 6. Do they have? The, they yeah. have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, starting at verse 1. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. Hold right there. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to suggest to you that this is, this, this is an example of a, of a modern day example of this seal. <laughs> when we watched the last year and a half, all of the riots happening, not just in our country, but all over the world. This, this particular seal that, he, that the angel was sent to take peace from the earth and people would fight one another. I just want you to see, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't want to pigeonhole or put any of these uh, prophetic words and say, this is the fulfillment. There have been, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of of fulfillment. Absolutely, yeah. That's just a modern picture of what's been happening for hundreds of years. Um, Okay. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. So I want to share a little commentary with up to this point. The breaking 
of the seals releases the four riders and a series of disasters and plagues. Even though what follows appears to be extreme violence unleashed against the earth and its inhabitants, there is a limitation to what follows. Death and Hades have the authority to kill, but their authority extends only to one-fourth of the earth. The slaughtered souls cry out for vengeance, but they will have to wait a little longer until more martyrs are killed for their testimony. Not a very exciting scripture to hear. Until more are killed. You take this next piece. Okay, chapter 6, starting at verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars and the sky fell to earth as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can withstand it? I want to uh, just, uh, when, when I want you to see the images that John is drawing on. John, um, Nicole and I have had these conversations. I would, I would share with people at maybe at worship conferences about in a songwriting class, uh, and they would say, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I would say, well, initially God gives me a vision for a dream, but he lets me use my vocabulary to describe the picture that I see. You get that? When God gives a word to a pastor, sometimes it's just a word. And then he uses his own vocabulary to describe. This is what's happening with John. John is a pastor. We said this in the first, a poet, uh, a theologian. So he is very well-versed in the scripture. And he's leaning on Psalm 13, verses 1 and 2. How long, O Lord? Will thou forget me forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? That fourfold how long is repeated and elaborated in every conceivable circumstance in the salvation story in sickness and exile, in doubt and defeat, in pain and bereavement. Now the question is put the final time. I, so as we're going through this, we want to remind you of books that we've been gleaning from. Uh, one written by Eugene Peterson, the man that wrote the message translation 
a book called Reverse Thunder. We'd encourage you to get it and study this for yourself. And then we have another one uh, by David Campbell called Mystery Explained. We just want to throw that out there, make a note, and, and we'd encourage you to get it and read it. It's my turn, right? Chapter 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. And he says this, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel, from the tribe of Judah, 12,000, and Reuben and Gad and Asher and Naphtali and Manasseh and Simeon and Levi and Issachar, 12,000 from each tribe, Zebulun, and Joseph from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. So he looks and sees, and here's 144,000. He turns to see, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, yeah. tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Okay, I want to say this because I know we have commentary here. There's so much, one thing I really want us to grasp and understand is that there is so much symbolism in the book of Revelation. Okay, we talk about, um, it, it said here at the, the beginning of chapter 7, the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Okay, we know that the number four um, is... is uh, the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. The number four is a symbol. It's the number of earth and creation. So this means these judgments are across the whole earth. Then he talks about 12,000 tribes, the number 144,000. Um, and so the number 12 is symbolic of apostolic government. So 144,000 is a symbolic number of the totality of people being saved and preserved. Okay, it's not a literal number. There, there will people. There'll be people that would say there's only 144,000 and they're Jewish. Okay, this is a symbolic number. And so I know you've got commentary here, but I love, I, I just want us to grasp and understand the symbolism in the book of Revelation. You, it's your turn to do the commentary. Okay. So uh, John hears that 144,000 people out of Israel are destined to be sealed. But then he turns to see an innumerable multitude from every people group in the world. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile, right? What he sees reveals the truth of what he hears. The number 144,000 is not an exact count of who will be saved, but is a symbolic number, 12 times 12 times 1,000. 12 is a number that signifies all the people of God yes. from both the Old and New Testaments. In reality, between the, between the sixth and seventh seal, there is an interlude, an opportunity for people from every nation 
to enter into the people of God, to receive God's mark and to take their places among the redeemed. One thing that has been so, as we've been studying the book of Revelation that I see over and over, you know, you kind of hear some of us who have been raised in church and you hear your whole life like, oh, you know, you're kind of like fearful that you're going to get the mark of the beast. Um, you're going to somehow, you know, we're going to get vaccinated. That that's the mark. We're going to get vaccinated and there's going to be some kind of <laughs> secret thing in there uh, that's going to be the, the mark. The, the, uh, the smartphone is, you know, no. When we are in Christ, we have the seal of God all throughout the book of Revelation. It talks about those who have the seal of God on their forehead. So we are marked by him. So I just want to encourage you to not fall into this fear of like, oh my goodness, am I going to miss it? Am I going to somehow make, you know, We're going to no. accidentally get the mark. When you abide, when you abide in Christ, you are sealed. You have the mark of God on you. Okay. And understand, understand where this comes. We haven't even got to the chapter. I believe it's chapter 13 where, where they t t talk about the mark of the beast. We're not even there. We're talking about before all of this happens, between the sixth and the seventh seal, there's worship and yes. then there's declaration from heaven to go and mark my people. Yes. Remember, there was a, maybe a year and a half or so ago, I spoke over when we were in Noah's, maybe it was longer, about being marked. Yeah being marked by God. Some of you in this room, I would, let me just back say that again. Everyone in this room has been marked by God. We have purpose and destiny and there is no demon that could take your purpose away unless you allow him. Okay, let's continue, shall we? Did so we finish good. that? We, we finished that part. Okay, we're continuing in chapter 7, Verses starting at 11. verse 11. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. Here's worship right in the middle of all of this. Saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Mm, I wrote a song from that passage of scripture. I'll just give it a little bit of it. These are the ones who have come out of great tribulation. The ones who have washed their robes white in the blood of the lamb. A gathering of people so vast, no one can number. These are your daughters and sons. These are the ones. Yeah. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Salvation belongs to the Lamb. I'll continue. 
Yeah. I'll continue. Let's skip the rest of the song. You'll have to wait for the album. <laughs> In chapter eight, a few, several weeks ago, I uh, spoke about this particular scripture. There were 30 minutes of silence in heaven. You remember that? How many of you were here for that? God silences the, the trumpet blast, the angels, the messengers, because he wants to hear the prayers of his people. We, we studied that. Then in verse six of, uh, in verse six of this eighth chapter, there were seven, here we are with that number again, seven heavenly messengers raise seven trumpets and prepare to sound them. The first trumpet sounds in a blast of hail and fire mixed with blood was cast down to the earth. The second trumpet sounds in something like a great mountain with bright flames of burning fire was cast into the sea. The third trumpet sounds and a great star called Wormwood dropped out of heaven flaming like a torch. There's a lot of fire in this chapter as it <laughs> fell on one third of the rivers. The fourth trumpet sounds and the sun and the moon and the stars are darkened a third. The fifth judgment sounds in chapter nine with too many disasters to, to, to discuss right now. The sixth trumpet brought about more plagues and disaster. Demonic armies numbered, in one passage says 200 million numbered demonic armies. I would suggest to you that um, some of that may be happening even as we speak. We're talking, he's seeing a spiritual vision. I shared with you at the beginning of that of the, the cloud, the glowing cloud I saw in my room. I still sense it in the room. You might not see it. Right. So, so some of these things, these are demonic spirit beings that he's describing. So, some, you know, much of the church thinks we've been waiting around for all of this to unfold. And then all of this is just going to be laid out before us. But there's spiritual warfare that we must engage in, in the earth to establish God's kingdom. Yeah. Uh, I'm right here. The sixth trumpet. Okay. Okay. Now, chapter 10, the seventh trumpet is about to sound. But first, there is a pause. Here we go again. There was a pause between the sixth and seventh seal. Now we've got between the sixth and the seventh trumpet, another pause. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. Some scholars say that they believe this is Jesus as it describes the rainbow that surrounds him. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion when he shouted the voices of the seven thunders spoke. There we see seven again. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it and the sea and all that is in it and said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard 
from heaven spoke to me once more. Go take the scroll that lies open and the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Uh, many theologians suggest that the seals that have been opened throughout the church age, everything culminates with the seventh seal. And every time you see the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, the seventh bowl, there is this culmination in a great victory. You will see Jesus step up in victory in every case, which they're suggesting that the seventh seal is the culmination of all the seals and trumpets. So, right. so what? the seventh seal. Oh, sorry. So the seventh seal is yet to be open. We're in the church age. This is what many theologians believe, and this is what, what we embrace, that we, we are between, um, you know, the, up to the sixth seal has been opened, and we are in that church age. The seventh seal has yet to be opened. And when it is, Woo! Mm, Jesus out. is coming. <laughs> um, so this, you want me to read yes. that? The scroll John eats is taken from the hand of the powerful messenger who announces the fulfillment of all the prophecies. Just as it did for the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, the scroll represents the message John is required to proclaim, but first he must take it in and it must become a part of him. Initially, it tastes sweet, but as it settles deep within him, it becomes bitter. God's message is always bittersweet. It is sweet joy for those who turn to God, but bitter sadness for those who do not accept it. Chapter 11. You want to take this? Sure. I know it's a lot of reading. Hang in. We're getting close. We're, getting we're almost close. there. Chapter 11. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign the nations were angry and your wrath has come the time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants the prophets and your people who revere your name both great and small and for destroying those who destroy the earth then God's temple in heaven was opened and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant <laughs> And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. When the seventh messenger blows his trumpet, the kingdom of this world comes to an end. The rule and reign of God and his anointed has arrived in full to eclipse the rogue kings who rebel against the creator and mocked his good name. God's kingdom entered our world in the incarnation, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It slipped in almost unnoticed beneath the noses of the powers that be. It grows silently as a seed in the earth until it fills the cosmos. Yeah. Today, 
Christians live between the times. We live as aliens and strangers rescued from this present darkness, but we also live as citizens who long for the kingdom that is to come. Until then, we are to seek his kingdom and help carve out territories for him. The kingdom of God, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. Uh, you, you see, there he is. You know what that means? That means Jesus wins. It doesn't matter how dark the chapter looks. I said when we started this, uh, the book of Revelation is not about the dark world. It's there, it's present, just like the serpent was present in the, in the book of Genesis. But Genesis was not about the serpent. Neither is revelation about the false prophet and the mark of the beast. It's about Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus. And the kingdoms of this world surrender to Jesus. The kingdom of God is... Uh, let me read this. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, the people who were taught to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven have just been told the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Really? In the climax of this context of the seven trumpets, the believer's work of prayer is confirmed. But when they walk out the door to work the next morning, they will deal with the kingdom of Rome that hadn't become anything except maybe worse. Yeah. What does John have to say about all of this? We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> the gospel of Jesus Christ is more political than anyone imagines, but in a way no one guesses. The kingdom of God, a political metaphor, is basic vocabulary in understanding the gospel. At the same time, it's responsible for much misunderstanding. The political metaphor, kingdom, insists on a gospel that includes everything and everyone under the rule of God. God is sovereign. Nothing and no one is exempt from his rule. But what about the election? <laughs> but, 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 but what about cancer that just took a parent? What about sickness and disease? This is where we're called to step up and execute vengeance on the dark world. This is where we have been given purpose to walk out the kingdom. We, we, I think it was in our first few months of Dwell Church, we talked about the term apostle was a Roman term used that Jesus began to call his men, his boys. Apostles are people, set ones, who go into territory and create a culture so that when the king comes, it will feel like home to him. So... When I told you at the beginning of this, preparation, 
Preparation is the word God's given us. We have been called to create and prepare a culture that creates an atmosphere so that the king will feel welcome. That's why we worship at the beginning of a service because we want to create a culture that the king can enter, not just inhabit our praise so that we can feel goosebumps. No, to come and bring transformation to affect the realm around us, to, to be so full of God that when we walk by, our shadow releases healing in someone. Do you hear what I'm saying? The kingdom of this world has already become the kingdom of our God. Just like the stripes of Jesus have already taken care of our healing. Well, what about those? What about those that don't make it when we pray? We we believe in in, in that is a demonic attempt to steal your faith. Some people don't get healed. There are some things that we'll have to ask God when we get there face to face. But we cannot change our theology about the healing hand of the Lord because someone we pray for doesn't get healed. God is still our healer. His kingdom is still intact, in charge. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, of his Messiah. Hallelujah. How do we do that? How do we, how do we apply that? How do we apply that? It's, it's there are decisions we make as kingdom representatives. There are reasons we choose to allow what we watch in our homes. It's not, it's not uh, uh, legalism. It's not, it's not legalism that tells us we can, we're not going to do this. Or we're not going to talk like that. We you know we hear this term all the time. Ellen started, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. <laughs> the truth is, if you want to ascend the hill of the Lord, you must have clean hands and a pure heart and you can't cuss a little. <laughs> you have to create the environment that makes the king of kings feel welcome in your house. You establish order in your house. The reason we have uh, decency and order in the house of the Lord is be not because we're legalistic or we don't want someone to, uh, to, to, to... The deal is we want things to be in order so that we can create the culture for Jesus to come in when we worship. If we allow things to go on, if we allow distraction, sometimes we have to settle down distractions because we don't want to take the eyes off of what's being said or declared in a house or a song that's being sung or a message that's being preached. We must establish order so that Jesus can feel at home. We are apostles of the kingdom. And it is our place, our destiny to create culture for the king to come. Miracles are proof that his kingdom has come. So we contend for them. They're not to be our trophies that we make ourselves look good because somebody got healed because we were the ones responsible. I just suggest to you that we create an atmosphere that whoever walks in gets healed. 
So let's everybody stand. We have to stop. So this is what we covered today. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls are the same vision told in a different way. The we, bowls, the bowls were kind of lead up to, we'll kind of touch next yeah. week. We are living between the, the sixth seal and the seventh seal. We're in the church age, okay? And we are kingdom citizens and we are marked by God. And we are called to establish his kingdom in the earth and to prepare a place as the bride of Christ that our king can return. Yeah. And there, there are reasons that the, the seals continue in cycles. Be careful. Be careful, America. Please pray for our nation because when nations reject, when nations reject, every time the, the plagues were released, it was because nations were... Uh, resisting worshipers. The plagues were sent to Egypt because they were trying to prevent God's people from going to worship. Plagues always come when people try to hinder. So we pray for our nation. We pray that God would, uh, would listen to the hearts of his people in spite of the demonic influence in our nation in spite of the dishonesty and politics in spite of of all that goes in our world we are apostles of the king and it is our duty to walk out and create a culture thank you for joining us today at the dwell church podcast for more information about dwell church visit us at dwell.church